As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is the Tribune Audio Network. Even with all the phenomenal breakthroughs in medical science, some things are like an eternal mystery. This is so rare, and it's, it's so unusual to find anybody who knows anything about it. And if there is one thing Chris and Jennifer Little have come to learn over the past 18 months, it's that they have to constantly govern their hopes and expectations. So far, every doctor we've gone to has has not turned out the way we hoped. Even when they had the best of intentions, it didn't go well. We've exhausted everything that we can find in town, and then everything we can find in Guilford County, and then everything we can find within the borders of our state. Which means 18 months after her accident, their daughter Caitlin is still no closer to healing and isn't even aware of how hard her family has been trying to find answers. She doesn't know that it's a year and a half. She doesn't know that we just went to Texas. She, she has none of those memories. From the Tribune Audio Network, I'm Fox 8's Bob Buckley, and this is Caitlin Can't Remember. Good, keep going. Caitlin Little is the definition of Isaac Newton's first law of inertia. A body in motion stays in motion. Despite constant searing headaches and neck pain that has her head locked in place with a brace, she has a faith lecture playing in the background of the garage her father built for his construction business. She's sitting on a stationary bike and about to pedal, pressing a dumbbell over her head, shifting it from her right hand to her left. I didn't know you used your neck for this. <laughs> she looks like she's drowning in the fleece and lounge around the house pants she's wearing. Despite these occasional workouts, Caitlin's not nearly as active as she was when she was healthy, so she's lost about 20 pounds off an athletic frame that couldn't really afford it. Everything changed for Caitlin on October 12, 2017, a warm but cloudy Thursday in Greensboro, North Carolina. Caitlin was a star freshman runner on the Southeast Guilford High School cross-country team. They were out training when a couple of her teammates were kind of goofing around. One kid shoved another, who stumbled a bit and hit Caitlin on the temple of the right side of her head. Caitlin was obviously stunned by the blow, but she never blacked out. Even though the school trainer who looked at her soon afterward and the myriad of doctors who saw her over the next few months diagnosed a concussion, her journey has been unlike almost any other that started with a blow to the head. She has anterograde amnesia, an exceedingly rare condition in which her memory is fairly standard for things that happened before the accident when she was still 14. And by about six months after the accident, she was able to remember each day as she lived it. But at night, her brain would reset and she is woken up each morning with no memory of the day before. She's woken up every morning for the past 18 months 
thinking it's Friday, October 13th, the day after the accident. Although she's no longer running cross-country nor playing the sports she really loves, soccer and basketball, Caitlin is trying to will her body back to normalcy through these workouts she puts herself through, especially since she has a hard time sleeping with all of her pain. She shares a bedroom with her older sister, Sarah, who noticed it, her dad tells her. Sarah said she woke up and you were doing exercises in the dark recently. You can tell that Caitlin hears him, but she doesn't answer. She continues to scroll through her phone, looking for a song to pedal the bike to. It's all so much for her to process every day. Answering questions? This time, Caitlin gently shakes her head and answers with a soft, I don't know. Then she looks down and begins to cry. Her father comes over and puts his arms around her. All they want are answers, anything to get Caitlin back on a path to recovery. But the stationary bike she sits on is a metaphor for where her life is. No matter how hard she pedals, she doesn't seem to get anywhere. We've been telling Caitlin's story in episodes nearly every week over the past three months. Bob Buckley is here now with the latest episode in her story and her desperate search for healing. Well, of course, they have no precedent to follow. They don't know what to expect. And those stories have gotten noticed. They've played on stations all around the country. After the eighth or tenth episode ran, I got an email from a reporter at People magazine who wanted me to help her get in touch with the family to do her own version of Caitlin's story. And it reached a critical mass of attention. I got an alert on my phone, and there it was on the list of what's trending on Apple News. Caitlin's story was number two, just behind Sean Hannity revealing the real Donald Trump and ahead of actor Chris Pratt memorializing his 700-pound boar for his bowling ball-sized... Well, you'll have to look that one up yourself. We'd rather stay out of that kind of junk. That's what the headlines call the case of 16-year-old Caitlin Little whose brain resets every night when she goes to sleep. The Littles did get an offer to appear on the Dr. Oz show. If you haven't seen it, Mahmoud Oz is an Ivy League-trained cardiothoracic surgeon who also deals in a lot of alternative medicine. Is it bothering you now, the, the light? Dr. Oz sent a photographer to the Littles' house, a woman named Tori, to shoot video of Caitlin that they can use during her appearance on his show. I'm more than happy to like, grab you some food or, you know, after we're done. Tori told the Littles her instructions were to shoot everything like her local station shot it. So I'll get you um, journaling, Caitlin, if that's okay. And she does. They have her running, making post-it notes. Everything. Oh, you can go ahead and start any time, and I'll go ahead and... And a few weeks later, it's time to go to New York to be on the show. What was it like? It was a whirlwind. What are you talking about? <laughs> One reason they chose to be on Dr. Oz's show instead of Dr. Phil, who also offered, is that it was a much shorter, non-stop flight to New York instead of L.A. And it was also Caitlin's first time on a plane. And this is really the first time we've done this since the injury, right? So this is the first time she's experienced this. Yes, any, if we, we've only traveled to two places and it was places we had been every year as a family, so it was not new. She could, she could make sense out of it. She could cut quickly. They also chose Dr. Oz because of the connection they made with everyone involved. Oz, his crew, they were, I mean, we felt welcomed. We felt like this was a safe place and they knew all of our children by first name. They, they took very good care of our family and they didn't have to do that. A lot of those folks would 
uh, before we went up there would uh, call us on their own time when they weren't even getting paid to work and check and make sure things was okay, to see if there was anything we needed while we would be in New York, anything special. And there was. The staff found out that Caitlin has developed an affinity for a certain condiment since her injury and had it for her in the dressing room backstage. Her dad, Chris, took a video so that she could remember it. Remember, well, you don't remember. Jennifer DeRossi was a nice lady we talked to on the phone first, and she went to the grocery store on her own time and got you Frank's hot sauce because she heard it was your favorite. The trip was a lot for Caitlin, since she has trouble dealing with noise and a lot of light, but still, it was something she wanted to take in. The second day we were in New York, the girls were in one room, the guys were in the other room, and the girls had a wonderful window out on the city with the hustle and bustle of the street, deliveries and taxis and Ubers, and people running everywhere. So I got on there after Caitlin had uh, finished her morning routine and was standing in the window looking out across New York. And I let her be for a moment or two and got within five feet of her and said, Caitlin, do you have any questions? She just turned around and held up one finger. Said, I need a moment to take it all in. Because remember to her, she went to bed in her room at her home and then woke up the next day in a strange place with a whole city skyline out in front of her. She is backstage, there she is, and we're gonna meet her in just a minute. About a third of that episode of Dr. Oz's show is dedicated to Caitlin's story, more than they anticipated. She took it in stride, and when she was on the show, we expected for her to come out for a cameo appearance of 30 seconds, and she yeah. was in terrible pain, and the lights were very bright, and they would be whisked back off the stage. And a live stand. audience. <laughs> right. She rose to the occasion and did several minutes of conversation. She kind of uh, spoke for herself. We didn't have to do much of anything for her. But of course, this trip was part of the journey to find answers. And they were genuinely interested in finding a solution for them. They were genuinely interested. Dr. Oz didn't provide anything definitive. He did bring on a specialist who had reviewed Caitlin's case. His head neurologist said they were still looking, that they wanted to find an expert in memory that they didn't want to just go, they didn't think a neurologist was the right path anymore. So we're waiting. Be excited to go home and see your puppy dog? They were home 36 hours after they left. A trip to remember. But how? Caitlin did have her picture taken with Oz and has another photo of herself with a smile, giving a big thumbs up as she wears her new Dr. Oz Show baseball cap. And she was reading her notes and she's like, I really did this. I was like, yes. And I, I gave her the hat. She's like, take my picture so everybody can see. Because at that point, we had not made it public that that's where we were. We wanted to sort of surprise everyone. And... She was journaling and she just looked up and with the sweetest face, she says, it's the first time I've ever not wanted to go to bed. How, how, I don't want to forget this. How can I stay awake so I keep this? It's got to be heartbreaking though. It was very heartbreaking. It, it's, she doesn't normally show that side. Normally she takes everything in stride, but she was more emotional. She really did not want to lose that memory. And that's the first time we've seen that. If you had to do over it again though, would you have done it? Yes. Trip to New York? Yes. All those folks were fantastic. Um, Oz, his crew, they were, I mean, we felt welcome. I think New York went well. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and 
producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In his exhaustive nightly research, Caitlin's dad, Chris, has stumbled across some gems. One of them was a doctor who is nearly 80 years old now. He was given his own death sentence 20 years ago when he caught something from a patient. None of his doctors could do anything for him. They said, just go home, say your goodbyes, and try to make yourself comfortable, they told him. This doctor wasn't about to do that. He set about healing himself over the next several years. More on that in a moment. Now, we'd love to give you his name, but the doctor asked us not to. He's already getting almost 200 phone calls a day from potential patients, and at nearly 80, he just can't handle the load anymore. But he was willing to see Caitlin. When I contacted him directly, he emailed me back directly and said, look, I've never dealt with anything quite like this before. I'm willing to take a look at her if you bring her down here. What intrigued the littles about this doctor is the way that he healed himself and others since. He, he has a record of successes. Um, if I remember correctly, he's brought several people out of a coma, and one was in a coma for two years, already been written off by the medical establishment. The secret, Chris Little says, is that in a world of specialists where every physician seems to be playing his own tune and only his own tune, this doctor understands that the human body isn't a series of instruments all playing their own unconnected melodies. The body is a symphony, and all of the instruments within it play a beautiful tune when they're all on the same line of music. Instead of being just an eye doctor or just a bone doctor or just a skin doctor, he looks at the whole situation and um, using a concept of acupressure and how you have uh, the meridians you know, that run the full length of your body, he's put it together with a fascia that cover your muscles, uh, like a, a sheet. But when you look at the meridians, the fascia follow those. And he has a different theory of medicine, and he didn't originate this, he discovered it in the process of healing himself and applies that to the whole system using nutrition in addition to regular medicine, in addition to acupressure. But summoning up the time, money, and energy to get on another plane to fly to Texas, even though this doctor seemed different, wasn't easy. A lot of anxiety, a lot of anticipation, scared to have hope. Um, so far, every doctor we've gone to has has not turned out the way we hoped. Even when they had the best of intentions, it didn't go well. So we went with a, I guess a weary heart would be the way to say it. Caitlin, of course, only knows that disappointment through the story she's told each day. But she's meticulous about keeping up. She had notes, right. she had notes before we ever left home of what was coming, what we would be doing, an outline. Then she had notes on her bed, on her pillow, on her notebook, um, in the bathroom. So wherever she might be, she could be reminded of what was going on. As her dad watches TV and works on the computer in the hotel room in Texas, Caitlin sits at the desk, furiously writing her post-its, just like the ones she keeps all around their home. She's recreating the breadcrumbs of sorts that she uses to remind herself what and where things are. A spoon for when you want to do crushed ice. Oh. 
There are no fewer than 16 post-its in their hotel room, some with words, others simply with directional arrows, that Caitlin uses to tell herself where she is, why, and how to get to the bathroom. Once in the bathroom, everything there has a note too. Kate's deodorant, Kate's lotion, Kate's toothpaste, Kate's new face wash, with her handwritten instructions on how to use it. They've come to Texas because, as you heard Caitlin's dad, Chris, say earlier, they feel like they've exhausted every other avenue any doctor has made available to them. Most of the things they would propose that might help are things we're always doing. Health, nutrition, stay away from any kind of pesticides or whatnot, and hyperbaric therapy. So they didn't have anything on their palate that we weren't doing already. The doctor in Texas wasted no time with Caitlin. They started assessments right away as, as a normal patient. And within 30 minutes, he took her. He said, nope, she's mine. I need to work with her for the day. And he immediately bonded with her. I mean, it was like they had known each other forever. She just trusted him and talked to him. And she understood everything he was saying. Whereas she might be confused when we said it, he was able to say it in a way that she could jump right on. One of the first things he did was to see what kind of pH Caitlin's body was functioning at and found that instead of being at 7.2 or 7.4, it was about 5. So that's 100 times as acidic as it should be. What does that mean? What that means is that the amount of oxygen that can be absorbed in any liquid is determined by the pH. So the lower the pH, the less oxygen you get. You could, you could stay in an oxygen chamber all day long and get little or no benefit until your pH comes up. The day after I started treating her for her pH to help her feel better, she wanted to get up and work out for 20 minutes for the first time in four months. And they discovered a much more serious first soon after. And it just so happened that another doctor was visiting through his clinic one day and um, looked at her and suggested we do something called prolotherapy, which I'd never heard of before. So is that an okay pressure there? This involved an injection with a tiny little needle just under the skin, like doing an allergy test, on about 30 spots on the back of her neck and down her shoulders where the nerves and the muscles run. Afterwards, we you know, helped her get up off the table and walk around the office a little bit. And within about 30 minutes, she started turning her head a little and said, hey, I didn't know there was artwork over there. I didn't know there was a painting over there. And then she looked up a little bit. So she had maybe 30% normal range of motion within an hour or two. It reset the nerves, and within the next few days, she regained a lot of normal range of motion. You might think this was the latest medical breakthrough in dealing with these kind of injuries, and you'd be right, if we were still in the Eisenhower administration. What gets me is that uh, my research indicates that prolotherapy was invented or developed in the United States in the 1950s and 60s. It's been around for 60 years, and yet not one of the doctors we talked to in town mentioned it. It's not that the other doctors are bad people, they're working from a playbook, their standard of care manual, and prolotherapy is just over there off the page. And the difference in Caitlin is truly amazing. Ah, oh, look at that. We went by to see the Littles at their house recently as Caitlin was picking strawberries with her dad. You can just toss it in there for now. Okay, oh, some the of them are falling off. And some of the changes are obvious. Yeah. She no longer wears a neck brace. She's beginning to move again like the athlete she was before the accident. I never let them get really dark 
Because right. if I do, I turn them over and find a big hole on the other side. But what's side. most encouraging is that the cloud of darkness that seemed to hover over her all the time, the scowl on her face from her constant battle with the unbearable pain, that's gone. Not in the past minute. And she's a flower once again. Marigolds. Marigolds. The easy Please. smile is back. Are they the ones that attract They'll attract flowers? pollinators to the flowers. The bright also. eyes. Also help keep some bugs away. The desire to keep Newton's yeah. law of constant motion alive. Now, I haven't gotten to see the plants on the deck yet, so we'll both be exploring. And I so wish I could tell you that that all means her brain is healing. Maybe it is, but oh. she's also in the middle of a major setback. Somehow, right after we got the neck repaired, um, I guess in all that we're doing, we're, we're starting over. We're back at, you know, initial onset of the injury because her memory is less than 10 minutes. And the last two days, it's been only five minutes. Every five minutes, she needs to be reminded of where she is and what we're doing. And we could panic and we could cry. But instead, we're choosing to be positive and say nothing changed for 18 months. Nothing worked. That this time, we're starting over. Yes, it's hard, but we have a treatment. We have supplements. And we're feeding her body and her brain what it needs to heal this time. So we're hoping to have good results and not replay the last year and a half. To some degree, the doctor in Texas warned them about this. He said, look, this is not going to be completely effective. This is much more uh, serious than I thought. It may seem like wasted effort, precious lost time. But this is a family that knows it's in this for the long fight, and it's one they intend to win. Whereas in the very early days of the original concussion, we were told, oh, just give it time, just lay back, rest, right. keep her in a quiet spot, no stimulation, but no mention of pH, no mention of oxygen, no mention of nutrition, nothing. Well, we're not starting off from that point this time. Yeah. We've, uh, we've taken a bunch of lumps and we've learned a lot, and now we're more prepared than we were a year and a half ago. And still hopeful that one day we'll have an episode we'll call Caitlin Can Remember Again. Thanks for listening. And remember, we're going to keep following Caitlin's story, so stay subscribed so you'll know when a new episode is available. And if you like Caitlin Can't Remember, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating and write a quick review. Maybe tell your friends about Caitlin Can't Remember and have them subscribe wherever they get their podcast. If you do like this one, I really think you'll find the latest podcast from Fox 8 and the Tribune Audio Network just as fascinating. It's about a mystery baby abandoned at birth. Here's a trailer for What Happened to Baby Doe? It was so cold. It was freezing. It was one of those stories that, is this really happening? Did this really happen? And yeah, it did. 911, what is your emergency? November 12, 1999. A frantic call on behalf of a victim who couldn't speak. We need help. We need help. Even people accustomed to seeing it all were at a loss for words. Oh, absolutely shocking. Absolutely shocking. In 30 years, I've seen a lot, I've done a lot, but nothing like this, nothing that really tore at your heartstrings um, like this. Strange noises stopping a stranger in her tracks. I walked out that morning, it was so cold, and I stepped out and I thought I heard a kitten. And I looked over and I saw it was a baby. 
This was one of those cases where nobody ever abandoned their babies. Nobody left their babies out in the cold in November, you know, not knowing whether or not they were going to be okay. That's the shock factor to that alone was just incredible. Reporters wanted answers. You know it's going to be an emotional story when you send somebody to something like that. Police wanted answers. It was a standstill. Somebody needed to come forward. Who would do something like this to a helpless, innocent child? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of people thought it was like my son's, you know, baby or whatever. The cameras packed up. The news cycle moved on. And it seemed like this abandoned baby story would quietly go away. For a couple of days, you know, it was all about baby doe, baby doe. Um, and then, then it was kind of like radio silence. That was until the hidden details started to unravel, one troubling piece at a time. It used to be a dumpster somewhere over, over here. He was going to put her there or either, you know, take her life or something because he didn't want it to be out. I'm Fox 8's Natalie Wilson with the Tribune Audio Network. In this series, we put the pieces of a 20-year mystery together as we ask, what happened to Baby Doe? The first full episode drops on June 13th. Tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Again, that's Fox 8 and the Tribune Audio Network's latest podcast called What Happened to Baby Doe, which you can get wherever you download your podcasts. Caitlin Can't Remember is reported and written by me, your host, Fox 8's Bob Buckley. Chris Weaver is our producer and editor. Our executive producer is Kevin Daniels. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.